This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 95. Today, our special guest is Robin Begley. We talk with Robin about what nurse leaders are experiencing all across the country. Stay tuned. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, listeners. This is Tracy. And this is Michelle. We're coming to you live. No. Not really live, but we are alive. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yes. I feel blessed every day. Oh, <laughs> Still absolutely. moving and breathing, right? That's a good thing these days. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So here we are. We're um, kind of wrapping up a week of batching. Yes. This is our last interview for the week. Yes. And it was with an amazing leader, Robin Begley. Um, And she is the chief executive officer of the American Organization of Nursing Leadership, also known as AONL. And gosh, Tracy, can you even think of a better person to talk to right now when you want to know what's going on in leadership these days? No. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when it comes to healthcare leadership and nursing leadership, I mean, she's got her finger on the pulse, right? So it was a great conversation. And, you know, it's just really... um, it's just interesting to see the different perspectives, right? From yeah. different people at different levels of the healthcare um, industry. And uh, yeah, it was just such a joy. I mean, just a joy to talk to her and to hear what's happening and what they've yeah. learned. Yeah, what they learned. And so we want to share that with you now. And she's just so down to earth. I just really appreciate the type of leader that that Robin is. So let me tell you a little bit about her. In addition to her CEO role at AONL, she's also the Chief Nursing Officer, Senior Vice President for Workforce for the American Hospital Association. And in her role at AONL, she leads a membership organization of more than 10,000 nurse leaders whose strategic focus is excellence in nursing leadership. She oversees a number of key initiatives involving workforce, quality, and safety and future care delivery models. In addition, she works collaboratively with the American Hospital Association to ensure the perspective and needs of nurse leaders are heard and addressed in public policy issues related to nursing and patient care. 
Previously, she served as Vice President of Nursing and Chief Nursing Officer at Atlantic Care in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And during her 35-year tenure, she led Atlantic Care Regional Medical Center to achieve the American Nurses Credentialing Center's magnet designation four times. Not once, not twice, not three times, four times. She also worked with the local NAACP, the Hispanic Alliance, and Pan-Asian leaders to promote diversity in the nursing workforce by establishing a nursing fellowship and scholarship, as well as a mentoring program for students. Robin serves on many boards, most recently as a member of the AONL Board of Directors and chair of AONL Foundation Board of Directors. She earned her Doctor of Nursing Practice degree at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, and she received her master's degree from Widener University and her bachelor's degree from Georgetown University. She is a fellow in the American Academy of Nursing and is a board certified as an advanced nurse executive with the American Nursing Credentialing Center. So she's got a great story to tell and uh, you're gonna have your finger on the pulse of what's happening with leaders across the country after you hear our interview with Robin. So without further ado, here she is. Well, hello, Robin. We are so excited to have you on our podcast today. Thank you, Michelle and Tracy. I'm really happy to be here with you. Yeah, welcome. We're excited. We are, we are. And, um, you know, we're aware that the corporate headquarters for the American Hospital Association and AONL is in Chicago. And, you know, Tracy and I, we're Midwest girls. <laughs> so we've had a few trips to Chicago and it's one of our fun cities. And I remember the first time I went to Chicago, I was a Girl Scout and we sold all of these cookbooks and we got to go to Chicago for the first time. And I just was so amazed by all the skyscrapers and it's an amazing city. Yeah, it is. I think my first was the first conference I ever went to. The first respiratory care conference was in Chicago. That was the first time I'd ever gone to a professional conference, like, you know, out of state. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Robin, I'm, I'm sure that I know that you haven't been there much lately since COVID hit, but um, tell us maybe a favorite uh, Chicago story since your headquarters are there. Sure. Well, actually, the first time I was ever to the Chicago area was for a joint commission conference. <laughs> and it was in Oak Brook, which was not, which is obviously, you know, not Chicago. Um, my first time downtown, I may have flown in and out of O'Hare, I think, prior, but my first time um, in Chicago was when I interviewed for the position. So, uh, you know, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I, you know, I visited the um, the AHA and AONL offices downtown Chicago, um, middle of you know skyscrapers, yep. <laughs> and um, took a walk around, and it was a beautiful June day, and I thought this is really um, this would be a great place to be. Um, fast forward to that fall, um, I moved. Uh, my first day was September twenty fourth. And I moved into a very small apartment um, about five blocks away from the office. Um, prior to I, prior to my start, I was there for a couple of days. My husband flew out with me, moved me in, went and picked, yeah, I felt like I was going off to college, you know, um, <laughs> going buying groceries and things. But but um, I remember how beautiful it was right on the river, and it was a lovely early fall day. Um, and then two weeks later, it seemed like winter was there. 
And I think pretty much everybody in the office said to me when I moved, do you have a winter coat, Robin? And I said, well, I'm from New Jersey. Of course I have a winter coat. And they said, no, do you have a winter coat? And I, you know, I found out what they meant because several weeks later, um, being almost blown across the street, I realized I needed a big puffy coat that was at least, you know, um, halfway, you know, down my calf, you know, big puffy uh, coat with a hood. And I went out and purchased one and I was really glad I did because I really needed it. But Chicago's a great city. I've come to, uh, haven't been there much lately because of COVID, but the um, the people are really special in Chicago. I, I really must say that I have been so welcomed. It's been great. Great. And where do you live now? Well, my family home is in New Jersey and my children and grandchildren are pretty much, you know, close to that area. I, I live not too far from Philadelphia, the South Jersey area. So, um, you know, during COVID, I have been able to spend more time at home with my family, but of course it's been social distancing and, you know, being very careful with all the precautions, especially with, you know, the children and the grandchildren. Um, but it's been, um, my husband's appreciated that I've been, been able to be home a little more. Yeah, I'm sure he has. That's great. Well, we would love for you to tell our listeners your becoming a nurse story. Like what made you become a nurse? I think everybody has one too, right? Um, Here's my story. Um, My mom's really good friend, Mrs. O, we called her affectionately. She became a nurse. And I actually remember, I think I was about um, probably seventh or eighth grade, where she went to uh, to the local nursing program. It was an associate degree program, not far from our home, uh, became a registered nurse and then worked in a local hospital. And I just really admired her. Um, she worked in, she, actually, she worked in hospital, and then she went and worked in a um, in a private um, a private office, working for um, a really interesting physician who was actually also a friend of my parents. And he was a GP during the day, an old fashioned you know general practitioner, and did everything in his office. And he was also a board certified psychiatrist. So after dinner the office would open and he would have his behavioral health practice. You know, he would see patients in the evening, um, went to the hospitals in the morning, visited, you know, his, um, you know, his uh, medical patients and also his behavioral health patients. And he was a great guy, but back to Mrs. O um, I just really admired her for, um, you know, for going back to school as an adult, number one, she had two girls that were a little younger than, than I was. Um, but she was such a caring, compassionate, but really smart person. She was a nurse that always had um, the latest information. She was always, you know, looking things up. And this is before it was really easy to Google and the computer and the internet. Um, and if you asked her a question that she didn't know, she would track down the answer and, you know, whether it meant going to the library or, um, you know, doing some research into her extensive personal, you know, um, you know, library of nursing, of nursing school, um, you know, uh, volumes. And she would come back and tell you. And I just really admired that, that quality to her. And she just was, I don't know, just a really 
outstanding role model for me. And I'll just never forget the impact. And I've been in touch. She's still, um, she's, you know, elderly now, but I'm, I've been in touch with her last year. I talked to her. I talked to her daughters every once in a while. And, um, you know, just, she's just as a salt of the earth. So wow. that's story. After I, I met Mrs. O, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Oh, great. It's really powerful um, to think about how one person can just impact your life in such a big mm-hmm. way, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. yeah, that's great. It's a great story. Well, Robin, did you ever think that someday you'd be the CEO of AONL and the Senior Vice President for Workforce for the American Hospital Association? Never. That was <laughs> never a goal. Um, I never thought that I would uh, be the CEO for AONL. A little, a little story here is that um, in 2018, I was attending the conference, the our annual conference. Um, in Indianapolis. And I was on the board there, Region 2. It was my third year. And the announcement at one of our lunches was that the uh, CEO position was still vacant and the search was reconvening. And a friend and colleague and and uh, another one of the directors said to me, why don't you think about it, Robin? And I was shocked because it was never anything that I would have thought that I would even consider. Um, I was very happy in my position at Atlantic Care. I'd been there for 35 years and went home and couldn't couldn't sleep for three nights, literally. And finally, um, after the third night of, of no sleep, I talked to my husband and my three grown children and said, you know, this is something I just haven't been able to, um, you know, to stop thinking about what do you think? And all, all you know, my husband and my three kids all said, Robin, go for it. Mom, go for it. Uh, you know, it's something that if you don't give it a shot, you know, you'll be wondering if it's something you should have done. And I said, well, that's true. Um, you know, I haven't interviewed in a very long time, but let me, you know, let me, uh, you know, see see where this goes. Fast forward, actually, it was Ju- uh, July 3rd, I was offered the position and started in September. And technically, I retired from my old uh, position. But you know, it's just, I think it's timing and it's a matter of, you know, being in the right place at the right time and being open to opportunities. And this, um, you know, the the move to Chicago has been a little challenging at times um, and relocating after, you know, living in one place for many years, but it has been very rewarding. And the opportunity to connect with so many different people from across the country, uh, you know, it's just something I would never trade. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just evidence of people seeing potential in you, yes. giving you the little nudge. <laughs> Sometimes we don't see our own opportunities, right? So thank goodness somebody saw that for you. That's true. That's yeah. true. And I thank that person all the time, actually, because oh. um, it was a really great move for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and a great move for all the nurse leaders in the country as well. So, Hey, it's Michelle, and we're going to get right back to this episode, but I had to interrupt really quick and let you know the doors to our new self-study program, Caring for Others Without Neglecting You, is open for enrollment. We know, especially right now, with everything your team has been through this past year, that you want to do all you can to support them, help them to recover and be resilient, and even experience joy in their work again, and they need your support. If you are like most healthcare leaders we talk to, you may have been overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed before the pandemic, and things aren't getting any better. They're getting worse. So it's easy to see that if you don't prioritize caring for you, you won't have anything left to give to your team. 
So stop neglecting you and go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and enroll today. Now, you know, we can't have a conversation without talking about COVID, right? <laughs> and we all I've been doing. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And here we go. One more time, Robin. One more time. <laughs> But really, I mean, we know it's, you know, of course, had a significant impact um, and, you know, I think brought many challenges and um, but also I think positive changes as well in healthcare, Right. Mm-hmm. I think there's been some silver linings, but there's been certainly a lot of challenges. Um, and what do you think were some of the greatest challenges that the healthcare leaders, right? have faced or are facing today? Well, I think that's a good question, Tracy, because the challenges have shifted. We know that, you know, initially the challenges, you know, we, we conducted a study with Jocelyn Marketing. We had heard anecdotally what many of the challenges were, but we really wanted to find out from our members, um, you know, what were the major you know, their major priorities. So we collaborated with Jocelyn Marketing to field a longitudinal study to help shed light on nurse leaders' primary challenges, what leading practices they saw, and really what areas of support they, they needed during the pandemic. You know, when we when we fielded the first study, as I mentioned, it was July of last year. We didn't know that it would be longitudinal, but it turns out that obviously, you know, we needed to continue to ask. So following the first surge last summer, the nurse leaders, and we had about um, almost 2,000 respondents to our first survey. The primary challenges were access to PPE and testing and some other supplies, uh, communicating and implementing changing policies. Because if you think back to those early days, we didn't know much at all about the virus, and we needed to continually update um, our policies and procedures based on advice from the CDC and others. And, you know, that was difficult because, you know, everyone was, was um, you know, really challenged with what PPE to wear, what, um, you know, wear masks, don't wear masks, social distancing. It was very confusing initially. Um, surge staffing was also a primary issue last year. Uh, reallocation and training of staff. So those areas that essentially shut down. We had available staff, but how were they going to be able to go work with um, either suspected COVID patients or confirmed COVID patients? Um, and finally, emotional health and well-being. So, you know, as I mentioned, we fielded a follow-up study uh, this past January, actually January and February, um, following the winter surge and the biggest challenging challenges at that point facing our nursing leaders was the availability of healthcare workers, of course, including, um, you know, and especially nurses, along with addressing burnout and the well-being of staff. So those two issues were um, very close, one and two. Um, and as we know, they were not specific to nursing. It was physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, transport folks, um, environmental service staff, and really all different levels. So it was not only staff, but it was healthcare leaders as well. Um, We had a, you know, both formats were quantitative, but we also had sections that were qualitative where people could, you know, give brief answers. Well, we heard from hundreds, 
you know, lengthy comments, um, heart-wrenching stories about the toll that the pandemic is, is taking on our healthcare workers um, and nurses in particular. You know, some of the real challenges we've seen is with the group of, nur- of nurse leaders that are in the manager category. You know, when you think about it, I mean, they're very close to the to the front line. They're supporting the staff who are, you know, actively engaged in taking care of, of the patients. And yet they're getting directives. Um, you know, I've worked in that manager role in my past life. You know, I, I see heads nodding. I know, Michelle, you probably and you have as well. And, um, you know, it's it's the 24-7, you know, accountability. It's the staffing that you're worried about. It's the, you know, the patients. It's, you know, all the clinical specifics of what's happening. And yet, you know, you're also responsible for running, you know, the operations. So um, AONL is actually, um, you know, doing a lot of work to support that. And I, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, to, to support that group of workers. Um, you talked about silver linings, Tracy, um, and Michelle, what are, what are those, some of those things that we have seen and that I personally, you know, have, have had conversation with other, other nursing leaders about, um, you know, increase, increased use of technology in telehealth. That's been widely reported. Um, I think we know that once our patients and our communities, got comfortable with technology and our clinicians as well, that that's probably a, you know, a door that's been open that's not going to be closed. And it does improve access. It improves, you know, the, um, the ease of communication. You know, sometimes certainly it's necessary to be face-to-face or hands-on, but other times, you know, through a screen is really a great way to communicate. Um, we've seen use of technology um, you know, systems that we had used to monitor patients, for example, you know, uh, that that enhance our clinicians' ability, you know, to be hands-on and eyes-on, I think are, you know, are examples of, of te- technology that will be used, you know, far after the pandemic. We did see interprofessional team-based approaches all over the country. And what I thought was really interesting when we asked about best practices that the interprofessional team could vary based on the patient population, um, the setting. So it was really interesting to see how creative the teams could be. And I really, you know, I know that um, the nursing educators have also really taken note that interprofessional um, learning is is really a great way to do learning. I know that our, you know, there's... um, you know, there's colleges around the country that are embracing this method. And, um, you know, I think we will see new care models that that are that have been stood up. I think we have to do some learning about them um, before we can say that they're going to be spread across the country, for example. But, you know, so so careful analysis of of data after the fact um, will be necessary. But I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons when we when we uh, do that evaluation and analysis you know, analysis. I think the waivers that we've seen in healthcare have also, um, for example, expanded the um, ability of nurses, nurse practitioners to function at the top of their licenses. And again, that's an issue of access. We have to prove that it is a safe way to provide care. And again, that's part of the analysis that I think we will, we're starting to do and we will continue to see 
um, as we as we move forward into the future. A um, couple other things. Um, I think the pandemic has changed the way we work uh, at the at the care level, but also at the support level. So many hospitals and health systems that people that were in the hospital, um, taking up perhaps valuable real estate, you know, don't necessarily need to be located in the hospital setting. And what part of remote working can be applicable to uh, nurses and to healthcare? You know, that's something that I think we'll all be um, focusing on and figuring out in the upcoming months and years. And I think finally, what I'd like to say is I was really proud to see nurses um, leading the effort in many hospitals and health systems uh, around the country, um, public health settings. I mean, nurses were the ones who were incident commanders. They were responsible for setting up, um, you know, vaccine sites. You know, they this pandemic when we started over a year ago. I don't know if anybody would have imagined that it would the duration would be this long. And to see, um, you know, nurses really lead has been extremely, um, you know, professionally rewarding to me. Yeah. Well, those are great examples. Those are <laughs> these awesome are there's been just, I think people can lose sight of the benefit. Yeah. You know, if we only look at the challenge or the problem, we don't. We miss, I think, things that occurred that would never have occurred if it wasn't for the pandemic. So there's, you know, it, it's, it's the impetus for great changes and, you know, and movement in areas like interprofessional practice. Michelle and I were doing that before it was cool, like, you know, 30 years ago. And it's the efforts have been going on for 60 years, right? So it takes something like this for to kind of wake people up to go, oh my gosh, this is so critical, right? Not just when we're in the midst of a crisis, but on an ongoing basis. So I I'm just happy to hear that. Yeah, I heard from a few colleagues that they were amazed at how the barriers and the silos immediately came down when a group of people got together. You know, there was an urgent issue related to COVID. Um, the um, the turf wars, if you will, just went away and people said, what can we do to make this happen? And And that's a lesson that we can't forget. That's exactly right. And how can we support each other? It's just that caring and support for each other as interprofessional colleagues is so important. Yeah. And I think too, in communities, right? Like the collaboration where there's typically a lot of competition, the hospitals collaborating with yeah. each other, right? Within the community, different organizations coming together. I think that too was um, remarkable. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, that was great. Well, Robin, thanks for sharing your latest data. Um, and we're definitely will be following the work that you guys are doing to really study what is the impact having on leaders. Um, so thank, first of all, thanks for doing that because I think it's so important we're all learning from this. And uh, of course, uh, we're not surprised that burnout and well-being was a top reported factor. We've talked with other leaders that have... Um, shared with Tracy and I that we're now entering long-term burnout recovery. And there's a great concern of the impact this is gonna have, you know, and certainly on the front line, um, it's very important, but we're also concerned about leaders. Like the leaders are so important, as you know, because if the leaders aren't strong, it impacts everybody else. And um, 
So we, we were curious what you have been hearing, um, maybe, maybe some of the comments that came through on your uh, study about uh, the challenge of well-being and work-life balance at this time. Any comments on that? Sure. And we've, we've received many, many comments, both in our surveys, but also, you know, just in talking to people across the country. And I think talking really has helped people, by the way, um, especially when they're, you know, sharing experiences with colleagues and finding that, you know, that other people are experiencing similar situations. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is really um, the need for leaders to be available to their teams but also, you know, taking time to care for themselves. You know, 24 hours in a day just doesn't seem like it's enough. Um, you know, for example, you know, many nurse leaders feel the need to be rounding frequently, um, showing support, communicating. And, you know, I think back to when I did that, you know, as a chief nurse, you know, I'd, I'd schedule time where I do the night shift, the day shift, and it just seems um, like, from what I've heard that it's, it's just necessary to do a lot of this. And, um, you know, some strategies have been things like, you know, splitting that up with a core group. So it's not just the chief nurse, but it's, you know, um, the AVPs, the ACNOs, et cetera. Um, but those extended hours have really prov- proved to be very challenging considering that it's been such a long time. You know, people have maybe grabbed a few days here and there, but real vacations have not occurred. Um, And you need that time to recharge. Also, uh, many nurse leaders, particularly our younger nurse leaders, you know, they have children. And, you know, um, some of the challenges related to, you know, remote schooling have been an issue. And, you know, they, many of us have had the, ability and quite frankly, the luxury to work from home. But when you are a nurse leader, you know, part of your role, if you're responsible for, you know, direct patient caregivers is you have to be there. So, um, you know, just the juggling act of, you know, of children in school, some of our nurse leaders are caring for their elderly relatives. So, you know, whether they live in their homes or they are nearby, you know, we know nurses, whether you're a nurse leader, you're a, you know, you're a new nurse. Nurses are um, certainly looked to and become sort of the family expert, if you will, in many cases. And so, you know, this also provided, um, you know, another challenge for our nurse leaders. You know, I think some of what they, t- of our nurse, what our nurse leaders told us in the survey you know, just the staffing, the concern about having enough qualified staff was really, really a challenge, like something they've never seen in their career. You know, people are used to episodic um, swings in need for staffing. And, you know, I think back to my um, snowstorm days or the hurricane days and, you know, yeah. it'd be a challenge, but it'd be several days and everybody could gear up for a couple days. But when it goes on for this long, you know, no amount of money in or bonus bonuses offered in many cases will do it. Um, you know, the cost of staffing, in addition to the numbers, I mean, these are all real, um, you know, real concerns for our nursing leaders. So I think that that's really bled into their ability to also, um, you know, take care of themselves. And 
know that that's really necessary because as you mentioned, you know, it's long-term at this point in time. It's not just episodic. Um, we need to be looking at different strategies to really help our nurse leaders. Uh, and that's some of the work that A1L is involved with right now. So speaking of that, <laughs> how do you know what my next question is going to be? <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about what you are doing. How are you supporting the leaders and what are some things you're putting in place? I'd be happy to. And, you know, I just want to mention that when um, when the, the pandemic hit um, a year ago, March, um, we got together as a team and we said, you know, first of all, we had to cancel our in-person conference and that was you know, a lot of work to undo a conference that was scheduled to occur in less than two weeks from the decision. Um, but we also said that as a, you know, as a team, we really need to regroup about um, what we're going to do for the rest of the year. It is not business as usual. We cannot keep sending out our, you know, our communications so we can check the boxes and say, yes, we've hit the goal. We really need to completely change our focus for the year. Um, and we talked to our board. We said, this is, you know, what we believe we need to do. They were very much in support. And we tried to look at every single communication through the lens of, I am a busy nurse leader, um, you know, dealing with, you know, a pandemic. Is this something that I even want in my inbox or any, you know, we really tried very hard to think about what our members needed. So we developed a host of leadership education offerings and resources to help um, the nurses with what they were doing. Initially, it was um, leading and still leading through crisis, coaching to equip nurse leaders with the skills to help their staff move towards resilience and well-being. We had a few webinars. We actually had a series um, in the initial stages of the pandemic. We looked to our colleagues on the West Coast. We then, which was attended by oh more than a thousand of our members. Then we look to, the, our, to our nurse leaders in, on the East Coast, New York, New Jersey area when they experienced their surge and had one also for the middle of our country. So we really tried to, um, you know, as the pandemic surges moved and as different areas experienced it, we tried to, um, you know, have some webinars that would be valuable to our members. And I have to say the people that volunteered to give up an hour of their time and speak were just amazing because they were people describing situations that, you know, you just were unheard of. So, um, you know, those webinars focused on um, lessons learned, how they creatively dealt with staffing, um, how they were helping their, um, you know, their team build resilience. And some were really monumental ideas and others were very small things, but they really were helpful. So um, I think that that was a great opportunity to share. Our leader-to-leader -leader community platform um, is a great way for members to be able to connect. Um, this was well utilized. We saw questions and answers related to innovations and best practices. And um, while I'm at it, I'd like to make a plug for AONL's new monthly podcast, Today in Nursing Leadership, where experts discuss a range of issues, you know, addressing burnout, how to navigate change on the go, topics like that. And we're really uh, depending on some of our, you know, stellar nursing leadership, uh, excuse me, stellar nursing leaders to be able to share their, their pearls and their expertise. And everyone has been unbelievable about sharing. Um, and I think that that's really speaks to um, 
you know, our nursing profession and also all of healthcare right now is really, it is all about sharing and learning from each other and doing the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, that's a, a, a really wonderful list of, of, um, you know, offerings to really bolster, lift people up right. and serve them during this really difficult time. So kudos to you for pivoting. <laughs> so we call pivoting. That's the word right? of the year. Yeah, it is. It's a great example of how you pivoted. Well, and 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 as we're working in collaboration with HA, and you know, and I'm working with the policy folks, we really see that there needs to be national initiatives, policy, and funding to support some of this work on yeah. an ongoing basis. So it's not just homegrown, as important as that also is, you know, there really needs to be rec- recognition at the federal level and at the state level about, um, you know, how we are going to help heal some of our frontline workers and, and leaders who've really undergone, you know, just an uh, unbelievable trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Last yeah. year. That is for certain. That is mm-hmm. Wow. What a wonderful time with you, Robin. And as we kind of wrap up, is there anything else that you, you know, want to share any words of encouragement or wisdom that you want to share with the leaders that are our listeners? Really? I just want to say, you know, um, this pandemic in my entire, you know, nursing career of 40 plus years, never imagined that we would ever see anything like this. Um, I think all of us have pushed, been pushed beyond what we thought we could endure. Um, and I want to thank everybody, all of those in all the healthcare leaders um, for everything they've done to protect and promote the health of our country, our people, our communities. And, you know, I think to paraphrase someone, uh, you know, one of our, um, our leaders at AHA, you know, if it was easy, you know, leadership is re- really all about, um, you know, difficult times. If it was easy, anybody could be a leader. And so, um, you know, I think that we really, um, you know, we'll have lots of lessons to be learned after this. And, you know, we'll be debriefing and t- hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I think that our healthcare system and our healthcare leaders have been remarkable in their response. And, um, you know, we're, I think, and I'm being, I hope I'm not being too much of an optimist here, but we're at the beginning of the end, I think. Um, and we can't let down and we can't, um, you know, we, we, we just can't let up at this point in time. We can't be complacent. Right. I think we have to all be compassionate with ourselves um, we all have to take care of ourselves and our families, and that's challenging to do, but that's really important for all of us. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Robin. You know, I, I think um, what you said about learning through this pandemic is really important and um, that we're going to look back and we're going to just, we're going to look at it in a whole different way because it, it's different when you're going through it. Um, and there's going to be a lot of lessons. And I know Tracy and I are really hoping that this will be a catalyst to make some more transformation, you know, that's le- that can last as a result of it as well. So and thank you so much for being here and sharing your experience with our listeners. And we're excited that you're starting a podcast too. 
It's, yeah. a, great, it's a great way to connect with your members. And um, so kudos on that. Yeah. And we wish you the best of luck with that. You know? Yeah. It'll, it'll Thank you. That's, that's my team. They yeah. do a great job. Yeah. And, and they're very techy. So they're, you know, they're <laughs> helping with all of it. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. And uh, for our listeners, uh, it's been great to have you listen in. And we look forward to seeing you another time. This is a closing for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Take care, stay safe, stay healthy. Yes, keep learning. (laughs) Bye. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. You can find show notes and links at our website, missinglogic.com forward slash new dash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions at the end of the show notes. We'd also love to hear and answer your questions. So if you have some questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com. And we may include your question in a future episode.